0: The investigators believe he murdered
1: her. They just can't prove it. It It's my first initial call to the private investigator working on my dad's case.
0: My wife jumps up from the table and says, oh my god, who is this man coming in the backyard?
1: I divorced him because I couldn't trust him at all. He lied to me at the very beginning. He was living two separate lives.
0: in the water about 50 yards away and identified it as it was a person.
2: You are currently listening to season two of Ashes to Ash TV, What Happened to Carolyn Blankenfeld? Episode 22, Troubled Waters.
1: And I had her on her back and I was side-stroking her and side-stroking, side-stroking, side-stroking her for hours.
2: 4.20, I think, is the earliest time possible that they could have gone into the water. And 7.10 is the latest time possible that 911 was called. So now, when you look at that, we're really talking about a span of about two hours and 50 minutes. Out on the dock, Bree and I prep our kayaks. So, climb down the ladder a little bit and grab the end of this. Okay. We lower the kayaks into the water. Okay. Got it? Yep. Going to drop it. Yep. Awesome because we could never get Victoria onto Florida shore, I quickly thought, is there another way we can see if this is possible to transverse in two hours and 50 minutes? And I decided to look up how long it takes someone to kayak in comparison to how long it takes someone to swim a mile. And kayaking seemed to range from 20 to 25 minutes for a mile. Now that's not a lot faster than swimming, because right, we looked up on Google, it said it took 30 minutes to swim a mile. Now we're looking at maybe 20, 25 minutes. So the distance between where Chris said they went into the water and Baba Link Road is about two and a half miles. If I could make it in a kayak from that point to the Baba Link Road house in you know, an hour or two hours, maybe then that story might still have some validity. Ooh. I jump in the kayak while Bree hands me my oar. All right, see you in a couple hours. Once we are both secured in our kayaks, we are off. When we went over to Doug's house, the owner of the house on Bobolink Road, where Chris came out of the water, he had informed us that by chance that same day, that Chris came out of the water at their house just hours earlier, his wife had been outside taking pictures of the kids and the dogs. And when she was doing that, she actually captures a picture of the pontoon in the background, Chris and Carolyn's pontoon in the background, just hours before he comes out of the water. And that photo is taken at 5.03 PM. That's about 43 minutes between those two times and again remember we're being really generous by saying they went into the water at 420 that's the earliest they could have gone into the water according to chris's timeline we wanted to make sure we could triangulate that location almost perfectly back on the boat brie and victoria head to the area to start our experiment
1: so is that red roof right that, she's pointing at uh, yeah, the, the mushroom top, right? Like straight
2: ahead. Yes. Yeah. Barely can see it. Ash is on land with Doug where his wife was taking pictures the day of the incident. So you're going to want to go about a little bit closer. Keep coming. Okay. I'll tell you when to stop and then you're going to want to head north.
0: Right, right straight. Yeah, between there and the peak of those trees.
2: Okay. Yeah. Right? We rented the pontoon, and we drove it back and forth across the bay until we were actually able to almost perfectly recreate the picture that the family had taken on Bobolink Road. Hey, grab GPS coordinates where you guys are right now, too. I think you don't need to go any further out, so just go to the left then. Take a screen grab. We think we got it. I'm gonna have you guys come in just a quarter of a mile more, just to get one shot. But this, that's just remember that shot because I think that's it. Okay. Okay. We were able to get the location of that pontoon, maybe within. 20 yards. I mean, we really drove it back and forth until the pictures looked almost identical to kind of get where that pontoon was. So now we can look at that distance and decide if that makes sense that the pontoon went from where he says they went into the water and ended at 503, a half mile from the Bobolink house. And the craziest thing about that is where that pontoon sat in the water is where the sandbar started coming into shore. So if you got out of the water, where you see that pontoon boat, you could literally almost walk from that point to the Bobolink Roadhouse. What a perfect place to ditch the boat is right along the sandbar, because if you ditch it there, you're pretty safe getting from that point all the way into shore because basically you can walk almost all the way there is a small canal in the center that's maybe 50 yards that goes a little bit deeper maybe six seven feet but it's still it's not even that much deeper and then it quickly goes back to like three or four feet deep so you can pretty easily walk we sat down with Englehart who discovered the abandoned boat
0: yeah. uh, we were just at my house and we noticed boat out there and you know you said when you're on the water you're looking out there all the time you see boats go by but this one was just floating and towards the land and we didn't see any activity on it
2: inglehart the gentleman who found the pontoon just floating by his dock actually kind of saw it approaching the dock and he said he first sighted it at 5 50 p.m so These homeowners caught a photo of it at 5.03, and then we know that Englehart saw it at 5.50, went and got it, and then called the police that there was a just random pontoon on the loose, basically. So what we're looking at here is the pontoon speed. First, we have to take into account that the boat traveled 2.5 miles in 43 minutes. So we just need to divide that. And that equals one mile every 17 minutes. 5.03 5.03 p.m. to 5.50 p.m., now the boat has slowed down significantly. The boat travels 0.5 miles in 47 minutes. So on the flip side, that really is one mile over 94 minutes. Did the boat race from the spot where they got into the water to where the Doug's family took the photo and then it really just slowed down as it creeped into the Engelhardt home? I mean, that's possible. Uh, obviously water changes, things change. Maybe the current only took it that far really fast and then it just slowed it down and the boat just kind of trickled in. But it did kind of raise some concerns for me if that was a valid possibility. Back on the kayaks, Bree and I continue our journey. Yeah, let's go all the way to that beach, and then we'll go out from there. But the beach they were docked at, I think, is the is a good one. Then I questioned Inglehart. So you went windsurfing. Have you guys ever been like kayaking or anything out there?
0: Or? Yeah, you watch what the winds doing. You don't want, you gotta watch what the weather's doing too. You don't want to get out there and have the wind catch you and blow you the other direction that you don't want to go because you cannot keep up. Really, yeah. with the good wind out here, if we have a squall line that comes out, it. It's not so much the waves are going to get you, but if you're having a leisurely little paddle across with the wind at your back, you got to fight that wind on the way back in, and you may not win. Yeah. It's a big bay. You don't you don't ever see somebody going catty corner across the bay. I mean, they'll go east and west. Oh, okay. And they'll stay in. So they're still, the, still kind of Stay on loves. their side. Yeah. Don't go in the shark water. Stay in where it's where did it's standable. The, did yeah. you say
2: the shark water? <laughs> I like that. That's okay. what we always say when we we're kids. You <laughs> go out there and
0: we <laughs> will stay out of the shark water. Again.
2: Right? Absolutely.
0: Mm, I've seen just one.
2: Really? What yeah.
0: kind? It was small, like a gray um gray tip or something. Okay. I couldn't tell. It was yeah, only yeah. about was three and a half dollar. foot yeah. long. Oh,
2: that's crazy. That's great. Now you've made you've just finalized I will never step into that water. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back on the boat, Bree, Victoria, and I continue our experiments. Remember what Chris said in his interview with police.
1: I know that on my phone I had taken a picture of her right before she jumped in the water. Okay. Like she was sitting there and she just looked really pretty with her hat on. And I took a picture of her. So it would be Mm -hmm. directly after that time, the very last photos on that camera.
2: We have this text message that he sent one of his friends and it showed him and carolyn on the boat together and chris writes in many of the letters that that was the last photo taken of her in chris's letter to annie my mom and brie it read
0: the pictures attached were taken minutes before she and i went into the water texted a few of them to keith right before they are attached
2: Chris's story has varied so widely depending on if he's talking to someone, if he's writing a letter, if he's telling the police, if it's something in the police report. His story always seems to shift in quite significant ways. In one of the versions of the story Chris tells, he had taken the picture of Carolyn and she got off the boat and then that's when all of this started. But if you look back at the photo, the last photo that was ever taken of Carolyn, it's right by the Tarkeland Preserve there. And the wild thing about the Tarkeland Preserve is it goes out for about a half to three quarters of a mile, depending on where you are, shallow. You can actually still walk. On the boat, Brie takes my picture to compare it to Chris's photo. so we're about to get off the boat. We've just taken the photo. I feel like I'm going to be able to stand. Also, most people die from shark attacks in four feet of water. So I feel like it's about four feet. So if I don't come back, I lower myself into the water. Hello! You standing? Walking, people!
1: (laughs) Are you able to get back to the boat, no problem?
2: Yes, because I can just walk back to the boat. Or walk to shore. Wow. That's incredible. Well, I think that's pretty telling. I mean, I I was only like up to here, I want to say. So we really drove up and down that beach to find out their distance from the beach to see if there was any point that it was so deep that you weren't standing. All right, well, let's just check that other side. And then I feel like every place we've been easily able to stand pretty much. At the next stop, Brie takes my picture again to compare it to the original. Okay, Holy yeah, fuck. it's right here. Okay, okay. right here. All right, uh, hold, hold mine so you can get a
1: picture. Ash, this is fucking it. Is it? Okay, yeah. nice. It's gotta be. I think we're a little too far. Hold on, let me kind of, this picture's kind of zoomed in. Okay. So. No, I think that's perfect right there. It still looks a little bit thicker. Um, but I think but, I mean, it yeah, is a it's a different year. time of year, Yeah, yeah. Or a different
2: year. I mean if we can stand in all the places we found basically. <laughs> and we were unable to find a spot along that beach where when you got in the water your head would be submerged. There were points where it was just up to your neck, but a lot of times it was like waist deep. So let's see how deep it is here. I throw the anchor and measure how far it goes down. Okay. So let's we'll throw the anchor in and see where we're at so it comes back to here so what I'm five foot eight so like close to eight eight feet I would think so above her head but this seems like the most likely spot but the, the crazy thing is if they went in here that spit of land comes out right here all the way. So it just doesn't make sense if this was the spot. The tide's much calmer in this little That's actually a solid point. It's much calmer here than on the other side. If it was on the other side, the believability of how the tides are or how the how much less calm it was, I could see something happening. But you, all those sides, we could almost stand on. Any that we thought were over there, you were like in three, four feet of water. Here, you're in a little bit deeper water, but I don't feel like if the tide grabbed you that you could possibly miss the sandbar. I mean, it would have had to drag you the opposite direction and then all the way back this way. You think if, that t- if it was gonna grab you, it would have pulled you over to that shore. And I mean, this isn't even that wide, but I think we're talking about a mile from this shore to this shore. And then that sandbar probably spans about half of that. If she had jumped off the boat at that point, it just doesn't really make sense that she would have been taken away. She could still walk, Chris would have been able to walk, it would have been the most likely spot to go back to so that was kind of the last thing that we wanted to try to see if that could have been a significant part of what happened here but instead again we found that you're basically walking along a sandbar which leads right into the beach so you can kind of safely walk from the spot that they took that picture all the way up to the beach again we are talking about a two-year difference and things obviously do change and shift so, but from everyone we've spoken to, it seems like the bay has always been really shallow and that is nothing new. Back on the kayaks, Bree and I continue our experiments. I'll
1: keep doing this so you know that I'm at bottom and I'm not faking it. <laughs> the whole day today, Ash and I, when we were on the kayaks, we kept stopping to put the oar down to see if we were still touching the bottom and we could still touch the bottom for at least a mile away from Doug's house.
2: Brie finally puts her oar in a spot that she can no longer touch. It went under the boat. Had an angle. Okay. So can't, that's. I can't touch anymore. Alright, so that we need to do a Google point for basically I feel like this is kind of the first where you couldn't walk anymore.
1: That's gotta be like a mile out, honestly.
2: You could le- legit walk out
1: there for a mile before you can't touch ground anywhere. Back at Inglehearts, they
2: explain.
0: It's a long way. So you can be out there right now and it'd be up to your little above your knees. At the end of my dock right now, it'd be about your knees. Yeah. It's shallow. Then it goes up to a little bit, then shoot, 700 feet, it might be up to your waist. Yeah.
2: I went out to the midpoint between the Tarcolyn Preserve and their house on Plaza Bianca Road. There's a dock that comes out from there. And I went to halfway point between the two spots. All right, so I'm out here on the kayak and that's the beach that they were kayaked at. And then over here is where they were headed back home. So this is probably around center point or very close. So. I'm gonna do a pin drop right now. Um, Sorry, I got sunscreen all over my face. A pin drop right now just to show where I am in case I'm off at all. And then um, I'm gonna head back. Once I got to the halfway point, I turned the kayak around and I kayaked as hard as I could kayak. I kayak a lot, so I'm pretty skilled at it. And I was just going, 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 going. Like I did not stop. Tell me how you felt the whole time. Again, I think much like the swimming, I thought the kayak ride would be easier than it was. So did I, honestly.
1: I've been out in the kayaks a lot, like in different bodies of water, water, of course, and like that one as well sometimes. And I just felt like it was so freaking hard to get across her. I went in there going like, oh, I could totally do that. I could totally do that, it looks so easy. Maybe like halfway out, I was just like, oh my God. Like my legs hurt, my arms hurt, it's hot, I'm thirsty. How did my mom do this all the time? Like she's
2: so brave and strong. I think it goes to show how strong your mom is because people talk about her kayaking across the bay and maybe it was a different part, maybe there's something we're not understanding, but if that's the case, my God, I can't even imagine how strong she must have been, because... I, oh I want to die. You're amazing. I don't know honestly how anyone could have swam that. No fucking way. I'm feel like I'm very strong and that was hard to kayak. I really didn't have the energy to get back and I made it, obviously. I kept having to stop and I kept getting carried back. Every time I stopped, I felt like I you know, two steps forward and two steps back. Yeah. And then it was just stressful because my whole body, everything on my body hurt, including my legs, which I was in a kayak, so like, why did my legs hurt? But my muscles wanted to give up, I was shaking. And by the time I got to shore, I just don't feel like I could paddle anymore. So I actually yeah. got out of the kayak and walked to the kayak because I could walk in there. I did that at one point too. On the boat, we headed to the pier that Chris and Carolyn loaded up the boat and headed out from. Since we feel pretty good that this was probably the point, this was one version. And the other one is where we kayaked to that day, which is in the middle here. But let's just show people driving the boat, how long it takes to get from here to there, just to see if- To the boat launch? Yeah. Okay, got you. Um, Just to see if we can think of how realistic it is that in the middle of the channel, which is one of his stories, that you'd get out instead of just waiting however many more minutes. So I think we should time it.
1: We're getting close, yeah. Okay.
2: So what he picked her up here that day?
1: Yeah. Okay. That's what he would do. You go take the boat to the boat launch, leave his car down there with the trailer. Okay. And then take the boat out and pick her up with like all the the like the coolers and shit that they needed for the day. Okay. Okay, so this is where they my dad would pick up my mom, is this pier right here? Okay. That's where her and the dogs would load up on the
2: on the boat so that's where you he picked her up that day yeah so i wonder the, how far this is from the beach we were just at i can check well why don't we just drive we could do that yeah yeah so it's basically a straight shot like that's where the point is i'll start a timer too okay so we're at almost six minutes and we're like basically there maybe like a half mile yeah So while we're talking maybe seven minutes at half speed. And after doing all these tests in the bay, there was really something that was bugging me about Chris's story. They were on the beach at the Tarkeland Preserve, which is this absurdly beautiful place to hang out. From there to where their house is, it's an eight minute boat ride if you're going at half speed. Chris says in one of his accounts that she got out to use the bathroom. Now, I'm not certain because obviously eight minutes someone might not be able to hold their bladder for. But I kind of am surprised that a person who boats often wouldn't have thought to have used the restroom while safely on the beach or couldn't have thought to themselves when they were in the middle of the bay, I can wait four more minutes because they would have been halfway home, right? I can wait four more minutes until I get home and I can use the bathroom with privacy and not the fear of being in the middle of the bay. But instead, according to him, she wants to go right there in the middle. And I I just think if you're out there and you're looking at it, I just don't think it's something that you would commonly do and he describes her as just jumping off the side of the boat not even waiting for the ladder to go down or anything which is even harder for me to kind of wrap my head around so not only are you going to kind of do an absurd behavior which is use the bathroom in the middle of the bay when you could literally just be in the boat for four more minutes and in a safe spot to use the bathroom and then on top of that I feel like most people who would use the bathroom in the bay would probably put the ladder down and hang on to the ladder because you are in the middle of a kind of choppy bay. So when I got there, I climbed the ladder and I asked what time it was. And it had taken me from the point where Chris says they went into the water to get to the Babalink home address two and a half hours in a kayak. That's just a little less than he was in the water for. In a kayak, not in the water, we were almost out in the water at the same time. How is that possible? Is he a superhuman swimmer? Or the first two hours when he was just rescue swimming her to the other side of the bay, so he's actually headed in the other direction,
1: Yeah. and
2: then he finally stops and then heads back to the direction we came out of the water in, He's not an Olympic swimmer and I don't even think an Olympic swimmer could do it in that time. I think what we've discovered is the time frame is not possible. After we finish kayaking... Oh, my GoPro just died. How funny. Are you good? How do you feel? Uh,
1: you want to lay on the ground? Yes, yeah, Oh, man. No, 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 no. When you got out of the water, I noticed you laid on the ground like my dad had, had done how did you feel when you did that?
2: That's what was crazy. So the homeowners are adamant about how weird it was when he got out and he laid in a supine position on the ground with his arms out and his nose on the concrete itself. But what I was shocked by is not only was it hard for me to breathe and I was fully exhausted, but I thought I was gonna throw up because I was in that position and my heart was racing. So I only kayaked, he was swimming and had just lost his wife. So I would feel like there would be exhaustion far beyond where I was and absolute inconsolable sadness. And to me, that would be the worst way to place yourself if you were in that scenario. I feel like you'd want to sit, stand, even lay on your back. If you had to lay down, I still don't think you would lay on your stomach. It's very constrictive and I felt like I couldn't breathe because of how I was like panting. I don't think I'm able to move my arms for days. I'll drive. I'm driving. later. Thank you. Also, I put sunscreen on before we left the house to go kayaking. I put it on, and, and it was 50, and I put a lot on. Then I put on before we went into the water, and then I put it on when I hit the point where they went into the water to turn my kayak around to come back, and I burned. So did I. I
1: have, like, mad tan lines from being out there the same amount of time as my dad
2: claimed to have been out there. Right, and what's crazy is the homeowners and the investigators, and in the initial report, it says he didn't have a rosy red face, he didn't have a red back, he didn't have a red neck, and he didn't have the luxury to reapply sunscreen. So let's just say he put 50 on before they went boating or on the boat, between the time he says they went in, which is a text message that was sent to Keith, and the time that he came out could have really only been a little bit under three hours. If you didn't apply sunscreen, I think you'd be burned crispy like a lobster. We were able to reapply, so we yeah. got burned. So burned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think through all this experimenting, is when what you, what you get is that we're not being told the truth. And I'm not saying that means that Chris killed Carolyn, is what I'm saying is what happened to Carolyn. I want to know what really happened to Carolyn, because none of the stories that he told make any sense and i can't even recreate the circumstances in which they were under actually
1: physically going out there and being in the boat and being in the kayaks i just don't think it's possible that anybody could do that and i could be wrong but i just like for now i don't think it's possible
2: yeah ashes to ash is created by ash patino associate producer kate giordano edited by jenna a bush co-host production manager, Bree, crew members, Montana Samuels, Cole Ellers, Victoria Gockler, and Victoria Gockler is also the technical swimmer that we used in the Bay. Musical score created by David Patino. Please subscribe on our website to watch commercial-free content. AshesToAshTV.com A-S-H-E-S-T-O-A-S-H-T-V.com if you know of any illegal activity involving this case, please reach out to your local law enforcement. If you have a tip you'd like to give us, please email us at ashland57 at gmail.com, A-S-H-L-A-N-D-5-7 at gmail.com. We can keep you anonymous if you prefer. To follow us on Facebook, go to ashes to ash True Crime, and on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at ashes to Ash TV.